In the first service, I made a comment, and I want to say it again to you. Uh, I believe with all my heart that we have the best music minister in America. And uh, that, that is not uh, hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. That, that is the truth. I'm offended he didn't ask me to sing for him today, but, but I, I will forgive him for that. So. If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. We're beginning a new series this morning that will take us the next few weeks. And all the sermons are going to come from chapter 1 of the book of Colossians. And the series is entitled Growing in Faith. Paul is writing to this church at Colossae because they got some problems. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And he wants them to grow in Christ. He wants them to grow in their faith. And so the whole book is about that. And so we're going to focus on chapter 1 for the next few weeks looking at how to grow in our faith. Excuse me. Book of Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, of our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our own behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Pray with me. Our Father, we pray today that you'll help us, that Father, we'll understand what the gospel really means. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Nick Slayton is from Sparta, Tennessee last year on March 11th. He discovered that he had the winning lottery ticket. It was worth over $1,100,000. He was excited and immediately he rushed to his fiancee workplace to tell her in person the news. And then after that, he went to O'Reilly's Auto Parts Store, because I guess once you win a million dollars, you go to an auto parts store, to buy something. Then he went to lunch. And he had a long lunch. It was over an hour as he was thinking about his lottery ticket. After lunch, he decided, well, maybe I should cash it in. And then he realized he couldn't find it. And then he realized he didn't sign it because apparently you have to sign the ticket or anyone can claim it. And so he had to retrace his steps. He went back to his place, his apartment, and looked everywhere. Then he went back to his fiancee's workplace and looked everywhere. And then he went to the auto place, and there he saw the ticket on the parking lot right next to the driver's side of a car where a few hours ago he had parked. And Nick realized that there had been other people who had parked right there and had stepped over or even stepped on the lottery ticket. 
He said in the news media, he said, it's a million-dollar ticket, and someone stepped right over it. Well, let me tell you, the news media had a field day with that. This idea that people were stepping over, not noticing, not caring about something valuable that could change their lives. Now, I don't know if you would step over a lottery ticket on the ground. Now, you probably won't now after I told this story. But there are some things, if we're not careful, we do step over. We do not notice. We do take for granted without a second thought. I mean, isn't that how we miss things? Isn't that how we lose things? We forget about something. We take for granted. We, we don't think about it. Maybe happens in our marriages. Maybe happens in relationships. Maybe happens in our health and certainly in our faith. We simply step over. You see, what happens is we have forgotten how important things are, and that's when the enemy will attack. There's a word that many Christians have forgotten. They have stepped over it without thinking. Now, for some, they'll think, well, it's just a preacher's word. Or, or they'll think, well, that's just a Sunday school word. Or, or some will say, well, that's just a word for children. Or some will say, well, that's just a word when I gave my life to Christ, but I don't think about it anymore. But it is a word that the Apostle Paul never forgot. It is a word the Apostle Paul wrote about constantly in all of his letters. He talked about it because it was a word valuable to him because that word changed his life and it was continuing to change his life. And that word is gospel. The gospel should matter to us as believers because everything we do is through the gospel and for the gospel. It's a word we need to hold on to. The gospel is what changed you. The gospel is what is changing you daily. The gospel is what makes you stand out in a lost world. And if we're not careful, we forget that word. But Paul never does. In fact, in, in Colossians chapter 1, he, as he's talking, we see in the, in the end of verse 5, he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. What is the word of truth? He says the next phrase, the gospel, which has come to you. Now, we understand, you know, the, the word gospel before the Christians took, took it over was simply a Greek word that meant good news. If you told anyone good news, it was called the gospel. And so if a, a king was in battle and he defeated the enemy, he would send a runner back to his homeland, and that, that runner would go give the good news, the gospel, that we won the battle. And so we have taken that word as Christians, the good news, because it is an announcement of what happened to us. And the good news, the gospel is that we were sinners Christ came and died for us on a cross. He took our sins upon him. He was buried on the third day he arose. And he offers us a free gift of salvation because he died for us. The gospel is about grace. And remember, grace is getting something you do not deserve. But mercy is not getting something you do deserve. And, and the cross provides us with grace and mercy. The gospel is about grace. And Paul never forgot about it. Now, for us, the gospel is more than just good news. For us, the gospel saved us and changed us. But like the Apostle Paul, we understand there is power in the gospel. Because Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And Paul, in all of his letters, focuses on that word, the gospel. 
And so Paul is writing to these Christians at Colossae, and what had happened to them, they had given their life to Christ, and they forgot the gospel. And they started adding things to the gospel. They started taking other parts of other religions around the area and started adding that to the gospel, and they were losing their power, spiritually power. They were losing their effectiveness. There was conflict in the church because they had forgotten the gospel. They accepted the gospel, and then they forgot about it. And Paul is going to write to them in the book of Colossians to tell them that the gospel is all you need. Christ is all you need. He is sufficient. And in our text this morning, Paul is saying all you need is the gospel. The gospel will save you, and the gospel will change you. And Paul gives to us three truths about the gospel. Look with me. First of all, the first truth is your Christian life is an outflow of the gospel. Your Christian life is an outflow of the gospel. Now, in verse 2, Paul has this phrase that we, we read so fast when we read the Bible. There's a phrase we need to slow down. He says this, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. It's a phrase there. He says you're at Colossae, but did you notice he said, in Christ? You're at Colossae, but you're in Christ. Every believer has two addresses. You may be at Paducah or Nashville or Memphis or St. Louis, but you're also in Christ. You will never have a proper view of the gospel until you realize it completely changes who we are in Christ. It means to be in the center of Christ. It means to have your life wrapped up in Christ. It's kind of like a a deep sea diver in one of those suits. You know, he's walking on the bottom of the ocean. He's walking on the bottom of the ocean, but how can he do it? Because he's in a deep sea diver suit. He, He moves around the bottom of the ocean, but he does so because he is in a deep sea diver suit. I mean, how can someone work at the bottom of the ocean walking around without dying because he is in a deep-sea diver suit? Now, if he gets out of that suit, he's in trouble. You may be in Paducah, but you are in Christ. You may work in Paducah, but you are in Christ. You may be surrounded by a pagan world, but you are in Christ. And when you stop being in Christ, when he's not the center of your life, you're in trouble. And Paul addresses them, again, in verse 4, because you are in Christ. And then he says in verse 4 and 5, he shows them what this means, this, this outflow of the gospel. He said, because you're, you're, this gospel, three things are going to happen. You're going to have your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for the saints, and your hope for the future. Look at it. He says, first of all, our faith in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 4, since we have heard of your faith... In Christ Jesus. Again, he says, in Christ. Through faith, we are saved, and through our faith, we grow. Here's what Paul is saying. The presence of faith in your life will lead to the practice of faith in your life. Okay? The presence of faith in your life will lead to the practice of faith in your life. I mean, isn't that true? When you have the presence of faith in your life, it's going to affect how you live. You see, anyone can say, I have faith. A lot of people do. You can go around and say, I have faith. But that doesn't mean you have faith. It should be demonstrated. This year, on the Academy Awards, Will Smith took offense to a joke that Chris Rock told about his wife, and he walked on stage and slapped him. Now, by the way, if you are offended by my jokes, stay seated, seated, okay? 
What's fascinating to me was shortly after that, Will Smith won an Oscar, and he gave his speech, and apparently he gave the same speech he wrote the day before. This is what he said moments after he slapped Chris Rock. I'm being called on my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Now, I know to do what we do, you've got to be able to take abuse. In this business, you've got to be able to have people disrespecting you, and you've got to smile, and you've got to pretend that it's okay. I want to be a vessel for love. You can say all day, I want to be a vessel of love, but if you go around assaulting someone, I don't listen to your message. Anyone can say they have faith, but your life will reveal it. Your life will show it. And so Paul says, in our faith in Christ Jesus, people will see. But then he says, not only that, our love for the saints. Again, it's amazing to me how he says in verse 4, he says, and the love which you have for all the saints. Now, I would not have expected Paul to say that. That word love is a Greek word. I mean, agape, it means uh, unselfish love. It means a God-type love. And Paul says, we, because of the faith in you, because of the gospel, you're going to have love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I would not have expected Paul to say that. I would have expected Paul to say, because of the faith in you, because of the gospel, you will have love for everyone in a lost world. But Paul doesn't say that. Why? Why would Paul say, because of the gospel, you have a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because if you can't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not going to love a lost world. That's why. Paul is saying the love you express to the members of the church is evidence of your salvation. Now, by the way, Paul is not the only one that does this. We see it throughout the Scripture. Listen to what John writes, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Same thing. He who does not love his brother abides in death. First John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. John says the same thing that Paul says. He said, because of the gospel, because of the faith in you, it will be demonstrated by your love toward brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, he's not saying don't love the world. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you can't love the brothers and sisters of Christ, you're not going to love them out there. And the key to this is the gospel. The gospel determines your love for others. One preacher said it this way. He said, you pull love up from the ground, and you will find roots of faith. That's true. The more my faith grows, the more my love grows. Why? It is my faith in him that allows me to love. My faith in Christ reminds me of what Jesus did. My faith reminds me of what Christ did for me and for all. I mean, you think about it. Jesus was tortured. He was nailed to a cross. He endured physical suffering. He was mocked at. What does he say? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. How do you explain that? Jesus on the cross, they didn't ask forgiveness. He forgave them anyway. What about my sins? My sins were nailed to the cross. I committed cosmic treason against the Lord of the universe, and Jesus forgave me. And Paul said it is the gospel 
that does this. Third, he says, the gospel is our hope in the future. He said, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Now, now in Paul's day, the word hope has a different meaning than it has today. I mean, we say hope, we mean wish. I mean, I, I, I hope our team win the national championship. I, I hope I can go to the beach. I hope I can see my friends. No, that, that means I, I'm wishing. But in Paul's day, when you said hope, it means I'm confident. I'm confident. So Paul is saying, because of the gospel, we are confident that we're going to go to heaven. We are confident that we are saved for eternity. We are confident. We have this hope. Why? Because it is the gospel. And because of that, it affects us. Because of this, we gospel within us, it produces this outflow of this confidence and this love and this faith. Second truth. The more you understand the gospel, the more the gospel will affect you. The more you understand the gospel, the more the gospel will affect you. Look at verse 6. Well, the end of verse 5 and then verse 6. He says, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you, also since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. You hear what he's saying? Paul is saying, this gospel came to you, and now you are bearing fruit. And not only that, it's being spread around the world. Now, now Paul wrote this about 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. The gospel is being shared. The gospel has gone from Jerusalem to Asia Minor to Greece to Italy and even North Africa. And Paul is saying the gospel, which you've heard, is bearing fruit and is being spread around the world. This gospel bearing fruit, and that's talking about, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, uh, peace, patience, kindness, uh, meekness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said, look, do you not understand? The gospel which produced in you the fruit is also spreading the gospel around the world. And here's what Paul does. I love this. Paul connects the two. Paul connects the fruit of the Spirit with evangelism. That makes sense because if you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to be sharing your faith. Paul connects the two. He says, do you not understand the gospel which you heard is bearing fruit in your life. It's doing something internally. The inner working, our life is growing. And as it is growing within us, it's going to grow outwardly. And the key to this is a word really amazing to me. Again, verse 6. He says, you have heard of it, heard of the gospel. And then he said this, you understood the grace or the gospel. This is what Paul is saying. The more you understand the gospel, the more it will affect you. He said, you heard the gospel. And when you really begin to understand the gospel, it bore fruit. And it bore you, to, it led you to go share your faith. See, here's our problem. Sometimes we accept the gospel and it saves us. And we don't learn more about the gospel. We don't get discipled. But Paul says the more you understand the gospel, it will help you grow. It will affect your life. This is something we do every day. Now, now what does it mean to understand the gospel? Well, basically, remember what the gospel does. The gospel saves us. If you're a believer here this morning, if you're a believer online, when you gave your life to Christ, God saved you. 
from misery, heartaches, destruction, and hell. And, and you may be here today and say, well, wait a minute, I, I, I became a Christian as a child. I, I didn't have misery and heartaches and destruction. Then God saved you from those things. Either way, he saved you from it. And the more you understand that, the more you understand the gospel, what happened to you and through you, the more it will affect you. I have a, I have a pastor friend named Bill. Bill and I, uh, many years ago, it seemed like we were always giving our testimonies to groups together. Bill was a former drug dealer. Bill had an incredible testimony. Bill was such an evangelist, but he would tell his story about selling drugs, running away from the police, how God revealed himself to him, and, and then I would give my testimony. I grew up in the church. Fourth grade, I gave my life to Christ. God saved me. And early, I, it bothered me. It really did. And we were having dinner one day, and, and I said, Bill, I would love to have your testimony. And Bill got mad. I mean, he put down his fork. I, I still see his face. He said, never say those words. He said, I want your testimony. Because I remember the people's lives I've ruined, the people I got hooked on drugs, the people I changed forever, and I can't do anything about it. I would do anything for your testimony. You see, Bill never forgot the power of the gospel. I forgot the power of the gospel. The same gospel that saved him saved me. The same gospel that saved him from his sins saved me. And if we're not careful, we will forget the power of the gospel. And if you're not feeding your life with the gospel daily, you will not have the fruit of the gospel displayed. We get the fruit of the gospel when we center our life around the gospel. Third truth. When we live the gospel, people will see the gospel. When we live the gospel, people will see the gospel. Verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on behalf, and he's also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Here's what Paul is saying. You learn the gospel from this man. And Paul describes him. He says he's a fellow bondservant, a fellow worker. In other words, you saw him working. You saw him day in and day out. You saw him as he worked with you and helped you learn. He also said he's faithful. He's a faithful servant. That, that phrase means that he was consistent. He was faithful in what he did. He was faithful in how he ministered to you. And he said, this was your witness as you have learned it. In other words, he told you this. So here's Paul saying, you watched him, you saw him, and you heard him. You watched him and you heard him. When we live the gospel, people will see the gospel. If you are a believer here this morning, let me, let me explain it this way. People are looking at you. They may not see Jesus, but they're looking at you to find Jesus. Whether we like it or not, you are either pointing to Jesus or you're pointing people away from Jesus. And Paul says, do you not remember this man? He gave his life. You watched him. You listened to him. And you gave your life to the gospel. And we have people every day around us, people at work, people, uh, people in the neighborhood, our family. They're watching us, and they should see the gospel. And if they're not, something is wrong. If they look at you and they do not see Jesus, if they, do not look, if they look at you and they do not see the power of the gospel in your life, if they do not see the fruit of the Spirit, something is wrong. 
All it means is you are not centered in the gospel. We should do nothing to detract from that message. Leonardo da Vinci painted the Last Supper. There's a legend, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a legend that during that time, it took him years to paint it, he, he showed a friend the painting. And his friend walked up and saw this incredible painting of the Last Supper, and his friend just, just was amazed. He said, oh, oh, the cup in Jesus' hand is so especially beautiful. And da Vinci looked at him, he was mad. What? The, the cup, the, the cup you, you painted in Jesus' hand, it's, it's beautiful, it just sticks out. And da Vinci painted over the cup. And his friend couldn't understand. What are you doing? Why, why are you ruining this, this masterpiece? And allegedly, da Vinci said, nothing must distract from the figure of Christ. Nothing must distract from the figure of Christ. If you are a believer here this morning, nothing should distract the figure of Christ in your life. Your words... Your actions, your attitudes, what you post online, how you treat people, none of that should distract from Christ. Because for some people, you're the only Jesus they will ever see. And they need to see Jesus before they hear the gospel about Jesus. And so this morning, if you are a believer, if you're watching online as a believer, I, I ask you just pray, Lord, is there something in my life I need to let go of? Is there something holding me back? Lord, am I really in the center of your will? And if not, get back in, in Christ and follow him. Let go of anything that distracts from Jesus. But if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you have never given your life to Christ, let me tell you about the gospel. The gospel says that you are a sinner. And you can't save yourself. But God loved you so much, he came up with a plan foundation of the world jesus christ came he lived a sinless life he went to a cross he died and all the sins of the world before he died was placed upon him including yours he died and he was buried on the third day he arose and now salvation is a free gift and he offers to you will you accept it by admitting yes lord i know i'm a sinner and yes i do believe he did that I confess, I give you everything because I want to be in Christ. I need the gospel. Will you do that this morning? If you're online, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will call you today. If you're here this morning, as we begin singing, just come to the front while we're singing and just talk to one of the ministers about your decision. Maybe giving your life to Christ, maybe joining this church, maybe some other decision God has laid on your heart. But whatever it is, do it in Christ. Would you stand and bow your heads? Our Father, the gospel is so incredible. There is power there. And Father, forgive us sometimes when we just step over it. And we forget about it. For those of us, Father, who have given our life to you, let us live the gospel every day. Let us learn more about the gospel every day. That, Father, we may have the fruit of the Spirit, Father, as we reach out to a lost world. Father, if there's anyone here today listening to, that they need to give their life to you, Father, let them do so. 
Show them your love. Show them that cross. Show them, Father, an empty tomb. And show them Jesus. And, Father, we give you the credit and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.